Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the halibut! Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Grove, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, Licensed Fishing Guide, your best friend, and now... As seen in the New York Times, New York Times best-selling podcaster. I sell a free podcast. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm pretty excited about it. Today on the show, Rich Collins, our fly fishing correspondent, will join us. Uh, we're going to talk about the Iron Fly competition. We're going to go through last week's New York Times article about ice fishing with the fish nerds and look at the responses that New York Times readers have given to it. We're going to do the news. We're going to talk about why we torture ourselves fishing where it's really hard to fish. Why don't we go fish where it's easy? We're going to give you a contest update. I'm going to do that first thing. And then John King is going to give some interview advice. We'll probably start with those two things and then jump in with the rest. So why don't we jump in with the contest updates? We are doing a contest. We do a monthly contest here, roughly monthly. This is our St. Patrick's Day contest. I'm going to run this through St. Patrick's Day. So you have until the end of the day, March 17th, to answer the question, you have call 607-378-FISH and tell us what your luckiest fishy day was or luckiest thing you ever did while fishing or caught while fishing. Pretty wide open. Prizes will include a fish dirt's hat, some fishing lures, swag, decals, and other things. And if you call us before the end of the day, March 17th, you leave us that voicemail and then you say at the end, take a breath and you leave us your address, we will mail you a Fish Nerds decals. I got lots of decals going in the mail this week from last month's contest. Finally got more in. Thank you to Backwoods Graphics for making us decals. Um, and those prizes will get out as fast as we can. And we appreciate it. 607-378-FISH. I need about 10 entries. We got about four so far. So uh, you got a good chance of winning this contest if you call us up right now. And why don't we jump in. John King, uh, the crappie hippie, uh, he's a great guy. He likes to encourage young people to fish and do other things. And last week on the show, we had Elijah on the show, and Elijah interviewed someone at a fishing show. And John and we asked for feedback, and, and uh, the crappy hippie could not wait to give his feedback. So I'm going to play that for you right here. Hey, everybody, this is Crappie Hippie, your tree-hugging redneck from eastern Kansas and co-founder of Glasswater Angling. And we had a wonderful interview in the last show by a young man named Elijah Bradley. Um, but Clay asked us all to reach out to this fella and give him a few tips maybe on what we like to hear, what we'd like him to do next time he does an interview. And as an up-and-coming uh, person in the Clay Grove School of How to Be a podcasting correspondent um i've got a few things that i've learned in my journey um don't feel bad elijah this is not criticism this is not any kind of a snarky takedown um but i just want you to know we all got to start somewhere my first interview i sent into clay totally raw and it was recorded on a snowball on a creaky wooden table my two guys sitting about oh four or five feet away uh, a lot of background noise a lot of creaks and squeaks and poor clay had to boil this hour and 20 minutes of blabber into a nice 30 minute interview for the podcast which he did without complaint um why he didn't have me killed uh i don't know but uh, i think we're both glad now that he didn't um so anyway I'm no expert is what I'm trying to say, my young friend, and I'm really excited to hear you getting started and showing an interest in podcasting. So here we go. First of all, do your research. 
Um, research your subject as much as you can. I know everybody's busy and we're all volunteers, but do your research. There's two reasons to do your research. One is you'll engage the person more because you'll be able to advance the conversation because you're into their life and you know some things about them and that's flattering and that's very conducive um, to um, you know getting people to talk and to tell you things that uh, you want uh, to get out of them as a journalist you might want to get them to say things maybe that they wouldn't say to other people or say in a way or be more insightful with you than they have been with uh, people who've done less research and so on and that what you get by doing research is you can build context for your questions so instead of saying hey what's your favorite lure you can say something like um, wow i saw that you fished lake sullivan in west virginia i uh, hear that's a pretty clear lake now what would be your go-to jig on that i hear you're a jig fisher but uh, what was your favorite colors say if you were on sullivan you know something like that you can just build context for questions Okay, but I also noticed that you went to an outdoor show, uh, so you're basically going in raw, and you're just kind of looking around for people that were willing to talk to you, and that's awesome. Clay's done that a lot. There's some of my favorite shows when he goes into a tackle expo or is at a convention or somewhere, and what I've noticed that he does to break the ice and to either start or end conversations with people is to have a starter question or a conversation uh, question that he asks everybody. So you did a great job of letting the guy shout out his uh, TV station and his career and so forth. And that was awesome. Um, and Clay does that uh, great. And we've come across so many great people with great products or great ideas or, or doing great things in the fishing business. But he'll end up you know, taking like one of our contest questions and asking, hey, what's your luckiest day at fishing? Or, hey, what's your favorite, uh, you know, do you think Tenkara is actually a fly fishing method? Or, you know, you know something mildly controversial or something mildly um, exciting that they can give their opinion on uh, really helps you to be remembered. And it really gives you some fantastic content. And finally, Try to have controlling themes because that is what makes an interview good. Um, like Clay said, long-form interviews, like some of the first ones I did that start off with, you know, how did you start fishing as a kid and basically document a person's entire fishing life are not that exciting for listeners as when you can get some sort of controlling theme. So, for example, the first um, – when I interviewed Anna on ice, we'd get ready to do the interview, and I'd have all my questions ready. Then she would have to cancel, or I would have to cancel. I joke in there that adulting really makes this stuff a real pain sometimes. Um, so then we would set it up again, and I'd write down some more questions and come up with a different idea for a theme. And what ended up is I ended up getting a whole bunch of material, um, but – Every aspect of it was kind of focused on one certain topic. So we talked about the beginning of our ice fishing season, for example. And then I was able to put in a neat little interview about gender and fishing because I noticed, you know, I, I'd focused on my second set of notes was about her career and uh, about some of the posts I'd seen her do on Instagram and so forth. And so get some sort of controlling theme, just like uh, the last one with Anna was about gender and, you know, how that is the same and different uh between different genders it just it was very you you know general um you can get very very specific i mean if the person you know is known for inventing something and got on shark tank you know that's all clay is going to talk about if the person is known for a certain scientific uh, aspect of their work that's what doc martin is going to focus in on okay so try to get a theme uh, try to uh, be topical. There's nothing wrong with getting a little background, laying a little groundwork, but definitely get some focus. You know, pick a lane and, and stay in it. But 
for gosh sakes, don't stop. You're off to a good start. We need young people to uh, carry on this podcasting thing. We need young people that are interested in it. And I, for one, am excited as heck that you gave it a try and gave us an interview. And please get hold of some better equipment as you can afford to do so. Um, get a little quieter place to do your thing. But for goodness sakes, do not stop. Okay, then. This is Crappie Hippie saying, hey, Elijah. Keep on going, little brother. Keep on going. Tight lines and valentines. Peace out. And we thank uh, the crappie hippie for that. Very encouraging. Uh, And I back up everything he says. Uh, The only thing I think I would add is just... You know, be concise, keep it short. And, just, and I think he, and he, he said this too, make sure you know what you're going to do before you get to it. Um, it's sometimes really hard to do, but take a minute, take a breath, make some notes, and you'll do fine. But thank you, Elijah. And we encourage you to record more for us and try to keep something in. Speaking of which, we are also looking for more Fish Nords correspondents. If you have a, uh, if you have a s- story to tell or you want to uh, get your voice on the show, um, drop me an email, clay at fishnerds.com, and I will tell you what you need to do. The really most important thing is that you have the chops. We want to make sure that you have a speaking voice, that you can sound good on audio. And there are all kinds of different good voices. It's not just, I, I don't think I have a good voice, but I think the crappy hippie has got a good voice. I think uh, a lot of people do. Just get your voice out there. Speak slowly, speak clearly. Send me something, and we'll use it. And if we like you, which we will, um, we'll include you in part of the show. We need more correspondence, especially pop culture uh, stuff. Um, we need new, some cooking correspondence. Uh, and anything else you want to do? We're open-minded. We want to keep a clear, fun show for you here. And I think we're going to wait now for our friend, Rich Collins. All right, so as promised, Rich Collins, our fly fishing correspondent, is with us, and we haven't heard from Rich on the show in a long time. Hey, Rich. Hey, how you doing? Good. I love, I, love, I love chatting with you because you're always in such a good mood all the time. Oh, yeah. It's been, uh, it's been one of the greatest weeks of my life. If it could get <laughs> any better, you know, frogs would fly out of my ear holes. Ear holes. All right. So uh, <laughs> what, one of the things I want to talk about with you is I want you just got to be part of the Iron Fly competition. I want to discuss that with you a little bit. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. The uh, the Saco Valley to you guys put it on. Yeah. So what was it? So uh, they do a fundraiser. Basically, it's fundraiser, and part of it was this fly tying competition, and it's based on um, the Iron Fly competition, which I believe is like trademarked. So Iron Chef, right? Style. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they basically give you a whole bunch of weird, junky fly materials, put a bunch of guys together with their vices and say, come up with the best possible fly you can and we'll give you a prize. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a challenge, let's say. Um, and they, they, they pick really annoying materials and really annoying colors just to keep you on your toes. So awesome. Uh, and it's pretty cool. What was, and so you got to go and be part of that. You paid to participate in that. And what were the materials like? Well, there was a lot of hot pink. There was a lot of hot blue, what electric blue. And uh, because Steve Angers was in on this deal from the North Country Angler, he put in a stupid mop fly material piece, which is my least favorite material in the world and least favorite fly in the world. But it works. And well, and he was laughing and laughing and laughing <laughs> when I saw that piece of mop in there. Uh, now, do you have to use all the materials or can you use whatever you want? 
So you can use whatever you want, but you get bonus points if you use all the material. And I'm not a good tire. So basically, I had to use all the material to even get points. So they say you get extra points if you use everything. So I saw your fly. And uh, we're actually using it this week as the cover art for the show. Nice. The hairball. The hairball. And uh, you won. I won. I couldn't believe it because yeah, I did it was this ugly. <laughs> oh, it's wicked ugly. Yeah. But um, last year I thought my fly was kind of cute, but I guess this year, just the fact that I used everything that it looked buggy and that it had uh, some unique, unique traits to it, meaning it was the weirdest fly ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> somehow they won. And I, and there were a bunch of judges too. And so I don't even know if they all fished. So I was completely dumbfounded. I didn't yeah. even know I won. And you won. The prize was a new vice. Yeah, the HM, HMH Vice, HMS Vice. Sorry, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it is. But I won this awesome main-made fly vice um, and the trophy, which is another fly vice and a, and a big old saltwater fly. But, I mean, I got a sweet vice out of the deal. I was so psyched. Not bad. Not bad at all. And so are you going to fish with that fly or are you going to put it like in display? Well, I have to I have to treasure it and pet it because you know it is a little furry um, and love it a little bit. But I definitely, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to catch a fly on it and then try to circle back and be like, "Look, it actually worked. Um, I caught a fish on it, and that would be pretty fun." Yeah, well, I I don't I don't I, I think you'll catch something on it. <laughs> so get a big dumb brook trout eat anything. It's got a lot of hackle. It's got a lot of wings. It's got mop in it. I mean, it'll it'll work. It just looks like something on the water. So um, hot pink and hot blue. All right. Well, thanks for that update on the Iron Fly competition. Have you been out fishing at all this year, this winter? Um, I went out ice fishing, of course, on Suck at Silver Lake. Got skunked mm-hmm. a few times. Can't learn. Don't learn. Won't learn. Um, and then I went out in the river. Oh, I don't know. One of those really warm days we had when it was like 60 and I thought I was all ready to go. You know, I'm like, oh, it's so warm. It's awesome. I'm not going to dress too warm. And I waited out and the water was still about 34. Yes. Effing freezing. So (laughs) I froze. I slipped. I fell. um, I got wet. I got (sighs) beat up and I went home without any fish. So that was it. I haven't really been super excited to get out since because I need to get back into it. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. So one of the topics on tonight's show I wanted to talk about was I wanted to find out, like, why do we torture ourselves fishing when it's hard? Like, fishing can be super easy, right? There's all these places we know where you can catch a fish every other cast, whether you're fly fishing or spin casting. But we choose to attack waters like Silver Lake or a river that's 34 degrees. Why do we do this to ourselves? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, it's a challenge. It's, I think it's like anything. If you golf, you just want to get better at golfing, even though there's only one real element, your swing, but people spend 50 years doing it. Um, I don't know about the pain part. I don't get the pain <laughs> part. The challenge I get always trying to try something new or different mm-hmm. or take on a new aspect, but I, I don't get the pain part. It's just, it's just, it's getting to be too much. Why we do this to ourselves? We are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's either ego or it's just evolutionarily like it's fun to conquer things, right? It's fun to like if yeah. you use a worm on a on a you know a bobber, you know you're going to catch panfish. So it's kind of like why do that? Let's go do something goofy and difficult, like tie our own fly with garbage and see if it floats. Yeah, that's fun to do. Now, so we've been we've been tackling working on Silver Lake now for a number of years, and <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't mastered that lake, despite our taking the challenge on as often as possible. Vinny's been out there for the last four days in a row for like six hours a day, and he hasn't caught a single fish. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. He finally got into some nice ones, I think. 
I will, well, he sent me some pictures. He he caught one fish like four days ago. That's and, fine. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's out Later. there right. He's out there right now. Like of course he is. Yeah, he's just jigging, jigging, and jigging, and jigging, not catching anything, and having a great time. I don't know. I he, I I've I've actually barely fished Silver Lake this year. This winter, I was like, yeah, no, not into it. Um, but now it's a New York Times uh, special. So yes. <laughs> so now I have to. So the New York Times article last Sunday uh, broke and you know reached a million or so readers uh, in, on paper, and then this past Tuesday, it went international into the New York Times international dis- dis- distribution going to 161 countries uh, worldwide. So now everyone's going to want to come to Silver Lake and get skunked. I don't know about that. I mean, congratulations on the article. It was awesome to see you guys getting the, the notoriety that you deserve. But, Holy um, hell, yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting article. Um, very interesting writing style. I, w- I wasn't sure if I was nostalgic, a millennial, or a hipster when I read it. It was pretty I, wild. With Steve, it's I, hard to know. He's, he's writing to this kind of like New York Times audience who likes that flourish and yes. the arts and stuff like that. I mean, even the photos they used, they didn't use the best photos. I can't figure out. <laughs> Like they, they use those that evoke um, questions or emotion or like empty space to make you think like, I, I totally don't get it. I don't know. Like the photographer uh, who took the photos, Tony sent me a bunch of photos that they took and all the ones he sent me are better than the ones they published. <laughs> <laughs> but are they typical? The, the times likes to do like alternative in a way like special. So I, I get it. I don't get it. But anyway, what I wanted to do today was kind of dive into the New York Times uh, comment section on this article. So if you haven't read the article, there's a link in the show notes. Just click through, take a, take 10 minutes and read the article to catch you up. Uh, but I thought it'd be fun if we riff on these uh, New York Times um, Ooh, comments. You hear I've my dog? I've read some of the comments. There are some wild comments in well, there. Let's, let's grab a few and chat them up. So I'm going to start at the very top here. We have, uh, the first one is Roberta from Princeton. Fancy. Uh, clearly, commenters here only open the article in order to make snarky comments about distressed fish and global warming. I am weary of so many New York Times readers whose interest is to assert their own superiority by demeaning the activities of those who don't conform to their worldview. Their refusal to accept the fact that their f- fanatical proselytizing is destined to fail is exhausting. These people should keep their opinions to themselves because at the end of the day, it seems that those who preach tolerance and diversity are, in practice, at least tolerant, int- the least tolerant of all. So that's Roberta. Right. And that's Roberta her- blows my mind a little. Um, that's a lot of big words about fishing. It is, but it, but what she's really saying is like, shut up. Exactly. <laughs> like, why do you want to suck away someone's fun? <laughs> she- <laughs> yep. And uh, well, I mean, it is a it isn't a fishing um, audience per se. You know, it's yeah. a more intellectual audience so i i kind of get it but <laughs> no nah, i don't get it i don't get it either <laughs> like why just dog on on everything but then i guess it's the internet so what else do you do yeah we got another guy from canada says the article omits that many most ice fishers just sit around and drink or watch tv in their tiny huts it's so boring and then it makes curling look exciting <laughs> so i it's so weird like he read the article <laughs> and then he went well, why are they making this sound fun? <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was the whole point to evoke a like throwback and to kind of introduce people to a sport that's changed. I mean, yeah. I thought I understood the article, even though I had to read it four times to get the words to yeah. fit in my head. Well, it, it made me laugh because I'm like, dude, like 
the whole point is it's not what the way you remember it. It's, 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 <laughs> it's not as boring. Uh, Tia says, I like Garrison Keeler's description of how ice fish, how to ice fish with peas, drill a hole, surround it with frozen peas, and when the fish comes up to take a pea, you grab it. You so. catch it in the ice hole. In the ice hole. <laughs> I don't even get that. I don't remember anything about peas. Uh, I don't either. But to, <laughs> her, make stuff up. to her, that was funny. Uh, let's see what else we got here. It's a battle between the uh, angler who wants to have fun and the fish who wants to live. How can the New York Times endorse such cruelty? Ooh, and Greg shot back with catch and release because the fish love it. Hammered down. I always say, like, if, if the fish didn't love being caught and released, you wouldn't catch them a second time. Well, that's, <laughs> um, that's Darwinism, right? The smartest fish won't bite your fake lure, but the dumb ones will. So it's actually improving the gene pool. Oh, yeah. We're doing them a favor. <laughs> they, they love it. <laughs> I don't try to justify it. I think fishing is cruel. I don't think it's the nicest thing ever, but um, we're an alpha species and, you know, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's why I always get into it. Here's another one from her name is Reader. Uh, you think it's fun for the fish who think he or she is resting under the ice and gets tortured and killed? Um, so. uh, not always killed. Sometimes Not, just tortured. Just tortured, mostly. Uh, <laughs> by the way, on, on the way on Silver Lake, we're the ones being tortured most of the time. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, here we go. Uh, my favorite from Oakland, California. Uh, when do we get to read an article written by the fish? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when fish can learn to write and well, read. <laughs> from their point of view. Uh, let's see. <laughs> All right. You got, did you, any, of these, any of these jump out at you? Well, there, there's one. Way, the first comment ever is from a guy named Rich Collins, who we all oh, know yeah. is a real loser. And he yeah. says, congratulations, Vonnie and Clay. I, I can't <laughs> type. And I misspelled Vinny's name. And about two minutes later, he sends me a message, Vonnie, eh? And I'm like, dude, I, I just can't, I can't do nice things. <laughs> uh, it was really funny. But I was surprised at all the anti, like the um, anti-animal treatment comments that came up it was it was kind of fascinating because i didn't know there was that much animosity toward fishing in the world even in the intelligent world uh well i mean i'm not surprised by it because i deal with them <laughs> with them a lot and i would expect from the new york times audience you know you get kind of a in general a more liberal kind of hippie you know more probably more vegans reading the times than you do say like watching fox news so i'm not terribly shocked by it i'm terribly shocked by how offended they are by it um, <laughs> But a lot of hippies go out, hang out, live in the woods. You know, fit. they do a lot of things. So I don't know hippies. I just think hippies are cool, chill, laid back. Be like, yeah, man, let's get some fish. Well, what I would argue that is is like it's impossible to go through life and not kill animals. Like we just can't do it as a human or any other animal. Like you just can't not kill things. If you're eating vegetables, there's animals on those vegetables that you're eating. Processed grains have insects in them. Ketchups, mustard, anything. All that stuff has ground up insects in them. So you're you can't help yourself. Yeah, and the pesticides to go into those farms kill mm -hmm. everything. I mean, yeah. they kill every critter. So it's you can't win. Well, we're, and if you drive a car, <laughs> you've killed a lot of animals. <laughs> Even if not big the, animals. Yeah, but read the Times online. Yeah. <laughs> All the computer All right. parts. All right, let's go through a few more. A grumpy old lady here. Ice fishing is best without the noise of gadgets. And now that Alan's coffee brandy is off the market, ice fisher persons must be wondering what the point is. And you answered her <laughs> on this one. Because I didn't know Alan's coffee brandy was off the market. And I think if it was, Maine would just secede from the union. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, 
as a, as a bartender in in Maine, I will tell you for sure is not off the market. <laughs> yeah, she's in New Mexico, so they must have stopped distributing it because the the three Mainers that were there probably weren't buying it or something. Or yeah, moved away. Just, well, it's actually disgusting. Uh, that's, <laughs> and that's the problem with it. The other problem is is her grumpy old woman here. Ice fishing is best without the noise of the gadgets. I would think ice fishing has gotten quieter <laughs> over the years with the quieter drills. You know, it's no, no big gas motors on the ice. How would she make a hole? Usually I just hear the wind and yep. it just doesn't stop and it just hurts. So yeah. I, I don't really listen to anything yeah. but my own voice saying, why the heck are you doing this? There's another lake down the road that isn't Silver Lake and you can go to it. Yeah, that's the best way to go. Let's see. Go once. Oh, here we go. From Norbert Bernhard. Killing animals is neither sport. You're just sitting there. What's the big deal? Uh, nor fun. No <laughs> men don't kill the innocent who can't defend themselves. So <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to read the responses to Norbert. Uh, this is from a guy called The Horror. Uh, either we kill the animals to eat them or they kill plants to eat or we kill plants to eat them. Either way, it will happen, I guarantee you. So the horror is just saying eating is, you know, an act of violence. Um, right. Yeah, mm. which I agree with. JP says, did you read the release part or the part about eating the invasive species? Sounds like healthy environmental management to me. Um, Good. Good yeah. call. And Patrick says, fish eat other fish in marine life. So what's your point exactly? Just because a walleye bigger than a yellow perch, a crayfish, or a minnow means it is a superior, more sentient being and has a right to kill its prey. So the ice fisherman who catches the walleye is actually saving hundreds of other defenseless animals a day. You should be grateful for I love this. You should be grateful. We did you a favor by taking that big trout out of the water. Well, you know, all the fish it would have eaten. It was a murderer. <laughs> That's the best argument I can see there is, um, <laughs> yes, the whole cycle of life. The reason we fish is our like primal instincts teach us to hunt and fish. And it's like, we're, we're using part of a, a of our brain that's dying. Um, yeah. so, you know, maybe I'm part animal still, <laughs> and I like it cause it's, there's something about the chase. That's really fun. And it no matter really what, fun. it's cool. And, and I've always been to the case, like, like, like if anyone asked me about fishing, I'm going to tell them it's the dumbest sport ever <laughs> absolutely does, there's no logical sense to it so anytime anyone comes in and like is like it's a stupid thing i can't believe you're just catching a fish taking a picture putting it back in the water then doing it again i'm gonna like, yeah it's, you're right <laughs> it's <totally laughs> yeah wrong. so fishing for food makes sense but we've uh, intellectualized it like you yep. said we have to make it harder and then we have to somehow decide oh let's just keep um, putting them back right. and then catching them again. So their life is, you know, kind of living hell. <laughs> right. we'll, do, we'll do one more here. One more on the negative side. Uh, fish. Uh, I'm going to ignore her bad grammar. Fishing is a creature. Uh, fishing is creature torture. It is not a sport. Um, oh, by the way, I, I don't understand the sport aspect either. I'm with her on that one. All those birds and turtles who are strangled and cast aside lines by left by lazy and different fishermen also agree. Um, I'm sure she's been talking to them. I, we have so overfished the plants' waters that ecosystems are ruined. Thank you, humans. <laughs> well, I agree with all that, but that's more commercial and greed-driven. Yeah. That's the other part of human nature that it really bugs me. Yeah, we, um, we, we could agree on we don't want the ocean being dredged out for fish. Right. Uh, the response here is from someone named Sean from Oregon. Uh, you are confusing oceans with inland lakes. Yes, the oceans are polluted from growing 
from growing wheat, for bread, soybeans, for soy milk, corn, vegetables, etc., and from your Patagonia and North Face fleece. <laughs> oh, boom! Overfishing does occur on oceans. Most inland lakes are just fine, and overfishing is not even a thing on most of them. When I fish, I always pick up stray line and old tackle from shoreline, as do many others. Besides, is eating plants less cruel circle of life? So, um, damn. Yeah. Did Although, you um? Did you see the one? There's one really touching one on there from Sherry Wright. Her name is. Yeah, about she reached her out son. to me. Yeah, she lost her son uh, when he was young. She actually is from New Hampshire. Uh, let's see if I can find that one. Yeah, that one gave me goosebumps. I wasn't going to read it. <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't know that we should highlight it or anything. But I mean, well, just reading it. Like... She did publish it, so let's let's find. It. <laughs> she actually she actually emailed me too. So oh. she, wants to, she wants to do some work with us. Uh, let's see. It was just nice. She had her son had loved to fish, and this inspired um, joy oh, yeah. in her to think back, and it was really good. Yeah, my youngest son could catch uh, fish in a mud puddle. I've said since he was a toddler. He passed away on February second of this year, which is awful. Uh, while we while he enjoyed many places to fish in New Hampshire, it was on on ice that he seemed to enjoy the best. A quiet contemplation, a oneness with nature found while fishing is magnified when out on the ice. He was a fan of the podcast. He was a listener. Uh, and while he will yeah. no longer be found doing what brought solace to his soul, we honor his memory in creating the Landon Bryan Wright Memorial Fund that helps kids experience the joys of New Hampshire outdoors. Thank you for this timely article. His mom needed it. I got, <laughs> I'm getting a little teary reading that. Yeah, I mean, um, that was worth it. That was worth yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, so she reached out to me through email last week, and we're going to be doing something for that memorial together. So Awesome. Uh, yeah, I said, yep, let me know what you have in mind, and let's, let's make something happen. Um, that's probably a nice positive to end on. And that's one thing that the, um, the anti-fishers are missing is the positive aspect, the building community, the memories you build, and all that. Um, and you could build that doing other things, but this is one more thing that you could do with your family as a memory builder. And you know, if it connects with someone, it's good. <laughs> it's very good, yeah. And, it, and and most of the stewards of the water are fishermen, and, and there's certainly many that aren't. But, I mean, the people out there on the water are, you know, that I know mostly in groups that support fishing. Um, and a lot of them don't even fish anymore. You know, they're kind of beyond it. No, um, they no. watch and they observe other yeah. people. It's really weird. But I, and I always recommend to people, if you, you know, one of the ways you can help <laughs> help our waters and our states is by buying a fishing license, even if you don't fish, because that money goes to support the habitat restorations, the, the management of the lakes, the ponds. So all that stuff goes to, to where you want to go. And it's a, it's a tax one chooses to pay. So that's one way to support. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah. And whenever I buy one, I buy like all the, there's like four sub items that you don't have to buy that donate. And whenever a game warden stops me, they, they thank me and it's like $8 more. And they're like, thanks so much for, you know, for caring. And I'm like, I'm the only one that does this. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, like, this is where the money comes from that supports our whole state uh, wildlife. Right. Because um, well, people don't know, New Hampshire doesn't have a big tax base. We don't have income tax or sales tax. So we have to fund uh, these systems, and that's one way we do it. So, right at Olukai, we handcraft Hawaii-inspired footwear, finding inspiration in Hawaiian culture and craftsmanship. Fishing is at the heart of Hawaiian culture today, just as it has been for centuries. Generations of fishermen and women expertly cast from rocky shorelines and sandy beaches. They spearfish, throw nets, fly fish, and navigate their boats beyond the reef into deep blue in search of the next big catch. No matter how they do it, there is an attention to detail and respect 
for the ocean that guides their passion. At Alukai, they believe in the same attention to detail when crafting their highest quality shoes and sandals built for every type of marine environment. Alukai's water-friendly Noheya Moku slip-on shoes features razor sipping uh, with non-marking rubber for extra grip on the deck, docker rocks, and designed for easy off barefoot wear. I actually have a pair of these shoes that they sent me, and they're super comfortable. I've been wearing them all week. They're terrible for ice fishing. I tried putting cleats on them. My feet got cold, but they're going to be great once the uh, ice melts and the boat's on the water, and they're super comfortable, and they have this heel that's designed to slide your feet in so you don't wreck your heel of your shoe. When it comes to sandals that perform, Alukai's new Ulele provides the comfort and durability of a sneaker in those long days on the boat or on the shore. And those are like a flippy flop, and they float, and they're really nice looking, and I have not worn mine yet because it is still winter time, but I can't wait to get them on. They also sent my wife a pair of shoes, and uh, we'll do a, a deep dive on those later once it warms up a little bit. But you can go to olukai.com slash fishnerds, click on through and help support uh, the Fish Nerds podcast. It really makes a big difference. Just click through. Everyone wears shoes, and uh, you're ready to go. And I'm getting a text while I'm trying to say all this. We also want to thank our Patreon subscribers or supporters for supporting this podcast. Go to patreon.com slash fishnerds. We're hoping that everyone gives us a dollar an episode, about 4 or $5 a month to help keep this uh, ship floating. It costs um, a few hundred dollars a month to run the podcast, but the goal of this podcast is to make it sustainable. And sustainable means that the hosts get paid for it. We can buy better equipment. We make a little bit of profit on it. Uh, and that's what sustainable means to me. <laughs> so we're hoping everyone throws some money in the hat. If you've got any value out of this show at all, and you think, hi, oh, yeah, it's worth a buck an episode, go to um, go to patreon.com slash visionaries. If you give us $25 a month, we'll say the name of your business uh, at the promo, like we do for Josh Lopes. You can go to lopestax.com, and you can support a local supporter of the Fish Nerds podcast. And that's it's really nice that he does that. News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. We got three stories today. First one is uh, about the coronavirus because we have to have coronavirus in our show <laughs> Why title. Not? Well, I, I need it in the show title so that people will, you know, search it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Be fearful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so live, this is from uh, ABC News Australia. Live fish trade plummets as coronavirus blamed for scaring customers away from Chinese restaurants. Uh, I, I'm speechless. I, I don't even, I can't even go to where this goes. People right, aren't eating at Chinese restaurants because the origin was in China. Yeah, sadly, I saw actually I saw this on Fox News, <laughs> saying that people should. And I, I don't mean to to poop on Fox News on my show, um, but <laughs> in this particular case, I did I did see them recommend avoiding Chinese restaurants as a really coronavirus. Well, you, so. you poop in toilets, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone poops. Uh, all right. So <laughs> the live fish trade out of Tasmania is the latest casualty of the seafood industry as coronavirus scares customers away from Chinese restaurants. Rock lobster and abalone exports from the island state were already under pressure from the global spread of COVID-19. Exactly like toilet paper scenario, Professor and export Steve Crocker usually exports. Oh, that's a quote out of context. I don't know why I read that. Um <laughs> Processor and exporter Steve Crocker usually exports lobster, abalone, and live fish to overseas and mainland markets. This time of year, he would usually spend about 15, send 1,500 kilograms of live fish 
to the markets in Sydney and Melbourne each week. He is currently selling less than 400 kilograms, which is about a third of what he should be setting. Our Chinese tourist numbers are not there anymore, and the local community are all concerned about dining at Chinese restaurants, Mr. Crocker said. He said social media had scared people out of going to restaurants. It's a fear factor of catching the virus in a restaurant, and it's pretty well unfounded, he said. 78 fishermen are involved in the Tasmanian fishery, and most are owner-operators who employs multiple deckhands. Um, now, basically, like if you're doing stupid things like not eating, <laughs> or or not like reading and you're avoiding things that don't make sense. You're hurting people's livelihoods by or, being dumb. Yeah, or choosing your ethnicity based on virus in, <laughs> and what type of food you're going to eat. Like, well, we can't eat Italian because they have the virus. We can't right. eat Chinese because they have. Well, American <laughs> yeah. has the virus too. We do. Right. So what do so we? No do more cheeseburgers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we sell live fish into the Sydney and Melbourne markets. It's been affected by probably 70% because no one's going to buy fish. This is repetitive now. Um, the RAS, usually 70 tons of RAS a year. Morong are the fixed total allowable. I can't read this. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> but basically, yeah, it's, not, it's not really that interesting beyond there. It, beyond there. But basically, stop being racist <laughs> is the point. <laughs> yes. The Chinese did not do anything to us. We weren't attacked by China with a virus. It's a virus. Australian restaurants are not Chinese. I, I, I can't even, I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, no, <laughs> but it's Australia, Tasmania, right? No, but you're seeing the same thing in the United States and you're seeing the same thing around the world. And people love to blame each other for stuff. This is just a virus. Nobody did anything to you. So stop it. Um, <laughs> just stop it. And do the regular things you've always done. Well, I hope you wash your hands. And you don't cough on people. I mean, those are, really <sighs> you know, we, we, we've devolved. We have. <laughs> we're, we're down there with the fish going, oh, is there something shiny to bite at? Yeah. I know. I, I do want to say, though, there is a big, you know, the, the media blow up over this. People are complaining about it and they're saying things like, um, you know, oh, when the you know, H1N1 came around, the media made a big fuss about it. And the SARS, the media made a big fuss about it. So I'm not worried about this one. Uh, and what I kind of want people to remember is, the media made a big fuss about those things and the CDC and World Health Organization did their jobs and stopped those diseases from spreading around. And the only good scenario of this disease is in a year we're complaining about the media making a big fuss about it and nothing happening. Like that's the goal. <laughs> the goal should yeah. be we blew it up. <laughs> like that's um, the best case scenario is in a year I we got, go, hey, nothing happened. You know, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. Just, Live like life is important, I guess. Yeah. And you know what? I think if you're ice fishing, you're pretty safe. Um, yes. But we're, we're wrapping up our season on Saturday because the ice is mis is going away. Garbage. It's, I, I did fish Winnipesaukee yesterday, and I did get on. It was about eight inches of good ice, so we're all right. With Dave. I thought Dave was dead. Dave is dead, but he's now zombie Dave, <laughs> back from the deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get another news story up here from Florida. Politics shark story. Bands. Yeah, shark bands. This is important. Uh, and I'm, I, I, I'm, I have two. I'm, I have a headline opinion, and then I read it, and I have another opinion. So. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a well, tough so one to understand. The House passes shark fin ban, renamed after Kristen Jacobs, with a carve-out for domestic fishermen. So initially, when you read that title, you read, oh, because I'm catching the fish domestically, I can sell shark fins to foreign markets, right? Right. And, and if you know what shark finning is, and this is how it's been done traditionally, is people catch these big mako sharks, they saw the fins off, 
they dump the live shark down in the ocean and it goes to die, right? And to to all of us free thinkers, we know that that's a bad idea. <laughs> right, just just bad mojo. I'm not going to read the whole article to you because I read it already and I'm going to give you the gist of it. But the carve-out for local fishermen says, well, if you're, if you're harvesting the shark anyway, so you're already eating the whole shark, is it okay to sell the fins? Yeah, and I might I might agree with that because like even in wildlife management, there you can't just kill critters and to, for the sake of killing them. Um, even if you just take their antlers, you I think in most states you have to take the meat at least pretend yeah. that you're going to use it. <laughs> like you can't shoot a deer and then just giggle and go, oh yeah, I have a hunting license. It's, yeah, it's wasteful, and there are some rules. So if the fish is already dead, yeah, if you're already getting, if you're eating all the meat anyway. You might as well eat the fins. Um, and that fact, a few years ago, when we caught that shark with Sean Tibbetts, my only regret is not eating the fins. <laughs> oh, I, have other I have other regrets now. But at that time, <laughs> I was like, I was like, ah, oh, I should have eaten the shark fins because I, I, I'm never going to buy shark fin soup anywhere. But I had an opportunity to harvest my own shark fins. Now, just to get back to where I am of shark hunting, I am not in favor of of harvesting large sharks out of the ocean either anymore. So it's I've I've swung around on that on the shark issue and don't don't think hunting mako sharks is a great idea most of the time. So it's I'm more anti shark fishing now <laughs> than I was a few years ago. I, I, I haven't I haven't engaged in it um for yep. that reason. Like I don't know how I feel about it because they've been just abused for so long. Yeah. Um, I think these large predators all need a break. I mean, we need to look at sharks. We need to look at um, even tuna. All these large fishes that we are like so obsessed with catching. I think they need a break. I think. Yeah, well, I, somebody was saying that it is the lar the largest creatures are the first to go extinct, which is why dinosaurs, woolly mammoths, all the big things, because they're just such big meat piles of meat that everything yeah. likes to kill them. Well, it makes, you know, it, there's some uh, efficiency to that. <laughs> yeah, so. right, right. So the, the blue fins are out, sharks are going out, like all our big critters are dying and we're going to be eating clams and I don't know what, insects, I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they, I mean, that's that's the best way to be sustainable is eating the baits, eating the small things. <laughs> like it's, that's the way you end up with sustainability. You're not going to get sustainable by eating the top predators. There's <laughs> mm -hmm. just not enough of them. And with fish being the only wild food we eat, you know, in the supermarket, it's, that's why when I'm at the supermarket and they sell like uh, Acadia redfish, I'll buy like four mm. pounds of it. It tastes great. It's a small fish. It's cheap. It's like $2 a pound. No one, because no one wants it but me. And it's delicious. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's, it's like, so it's good. like clean perch. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's one dollar work for me. It's great. <laughs> All right. Now let's do some politics. <laughs> and this is from Wired to Fish. Former professional angler Jason Quinn has fought a lawsuit against Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. The candidate's campaign allegedly used uh, aerial internet video of Quinn running his wrapped bass boat during a bass master tournament without permission. The Sanders campaign included this clip in a campaign ad and stated the southern border wall would not stop illegal drugs. According to the Herald, the lawsuit claims that Jason Quinn does not support Bernie Sanders or give him permission to use the video. Also, Quinn claims he had been harmed by the video's portrayal of Quinn in reference to the tracking of, trafficking of illegal drugs. Um, as point number five in the video explains how drug smugglers travel by sea, it shows a clear aerial video of Quinn's driving his, uh, his rap bass boat. Quinn claims the Sanders campaign defamed him, invaded his privacy, and was grossly negligent. Um, so. There's that. <laughs> Case closed, man. They, Case they did closed. it. They and did they it. shouldn't have done it. 
And somebody, you know, I get people, clients that do this all the time. Like, oh, I got this image online. Like, all that stuff's copyrighted. You can't just take people's intellectual or, you know, creative property and just use it. So I'm sure right. somebody was under the gun to produce something. And they're like, oh, let's find a drug running boat. And they found the weirdest thing ever, a bass boat wrapped with a guy's name. And said, there we go, drugs. Yeah, this is one more reason that you need to hire the, uh, the fish nerds at consulting to uh, whatever you're doing in fishing media, because we can help you get this right. Um, <laughs> Dave and I were talking on the ice the other day about like we need a fish nerds consulting firm to get help all these anglers and and fishing companies get things right so they don't uh, you know do stupid stuff like this or remember in Walking Dead when they had a uh, black sea bass caught in fresh water I mean that should just not happen so, <laughs> so yeah they just need Great a little help <laughs> yeah my hope I mean they, they should just pay him <laughs> and apologize yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because they're so clearly wrong I don't know that they, they defamed him or anyone believes he's a drug smuggler from that um, but he did get great press now that it got released so <laughs> yeah well I, I also what's his boat say Evan Williams which I think is a whiskey they must be real happy too so there's going to be a lawsuit from them for the same thing um, well maybe uh, the, the things that I reading this though I, I struck me is it doesn't matter whether he's a Bernie supporter or not a Bernie supporter like there's some things that just don't matter to the outcome like it's no matter either way, Bernie should not have used his pictures. You know, right, right. In those and it wasn't it wasn't Bernie. It was the media company that probably just found well, something online. Of course not, because Bernie doesn't know how to use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> Neither does any of our other last three presidents. You know, except for I, I, don't, I don't know. Like it's, I don't know. <laughs> We, we keep having these presents that are like in their late 70s. Like, have you ever watched <laughs> yeah. your grandfather try to use an iPad? Like, they're just they're not happening. Like, hey, well, you want to lead our, our country? How you? No, no, you can't drive my daughter around and you're out and trust you behind the wheel of a car. But yeah, you can be president. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, what are we doing? What makes the pictures play? I don't understand. Uh -huh. Where do I talk? Where's the tubes? I want my YouTubes. <laughs> <laughs> So, how do I get the YouTubes? I want the YouTubes. Everyone gets free YouTubes. <laughs> <laughs> my my daughter Sammy loves doing Bernie Sanders impressions. Ooh! He walks on the house. Funny. He's yelling. I want my dinner. Is it dinner time yet? Dinner <laughs> Just, for everybody. Dinner. You get free dinners. <laughs> no, she loves that. All uh, right. That's, I'd love to have dinner with Bernie. And he's a he's a he's a crotchety old cool cool cat. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about him being president, but I definitely, yeah, right. as, a, as a person, I would like to hang out with him. So, as a fighter. So, yeah, just, I, don't, I don't think he did it on purpose. <laughs> but I, I guarantee you, Bernie had no idea. <laughs> so, no clue. No <laughs> We're clue. on the YouTubes? I on the YouTubes. <laughs> I'm in. I didn't make a YouTube. Did you make a YouTube? <laughs> oh, God. All right, that was fishing. Uh, Rich, is there anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to plug? You want to talk about thirst protections? Um, no, because I'm so busy. I don't even know where my head is anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm doing web stuff and marketing stuff and some a lot of nonprofit stuff. That's the only thing I'd like to talk about um, briefly is I try to do things with nonprofits in the fisheries area. So if anybody needs help with technology, I try. I'm not perfect, <laughs> so I can't take all the work. But if someone has a good cause and needs web work, I'd be happy to do something on the side. And they can go to thirstproductions.com for information and get hold of you? Yes. Good. And we'll put links up at the sh in the show notes, of course. Of course. Of course. All right. Read this closing, Rich. And this so show. that's it. 
you've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Special thanks to Rich Collins, Diane's Bass Salts, Wally Pleasant, and the Crappie Hippie for their help with this podcast. Until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds. Spawn early and often. Never trust a free lunch with strings attached. Swim against the current every chance you get. Hey, thanks for making a podcast with me. No problem. Thanks, All Clay. Right. Let me stop Super. recording. Super. All Whether right. you're fly stop. fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the halibut. Fried in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast.